Uh, Chris Tomlin is like the kind of Christian Michael Bibley that every Christmas brings out a Christmas song, really. Do you know Though Chris Tomlin's are obviously far more meaningful than any that Michael Bibley sings. Sorry if I've upset some of your fan, his fans there. I'm not saying he's bad. In a few minutes, we are going to baptize or finish with baptizing Daniel and Jamie just for a few minutes before then. You can decide what a few is. I'm going to read some scripture and just make some comments. Luke's Gospel, chapter 3. Whoa. I will get to Luke's Gospel, chapter 3. I mean from New Living Translation. It was now the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman Emperor. Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea. Herod Antipas was ruler over Galilee. His brother Philip was ruler over, ruler over Ituria and Triconitus. Licinius was ruler over Abilene. Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests. At this time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Then John went from place to place in both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He's a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level. The curls will be straightened and the rough places made smooth. Then all people will see the salvation sent from God. When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't you say to each other, We're safe, we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. The crowds asked, what should we do? John replied, if you have two shots, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Asked some soldiers. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon. And they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater than I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. John used many such warnings as he announced the good news to the people. John also publicly criticized Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, for marrying Herodias, his brother's wife, and for many other th wrongs he had done. So Herod put John in prison, adding this sin to his many others. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. 
As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And the voice from heaven said, you're my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. If you have been reading our daily readings or if you have, as a church, noticed we have gone through the book of Luke up to Christmas Eve, like many other people are doing, there was something put out about for churches just to get through the book of Luke, and we are going through the book of Luke up to Christmas Eve, so when it comes to Christmas Eve, we'll have already read about Jesus' birth, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. I, we will have read about the whole purpose of Christmas and why Jesus came into the world. We'll have done it all by Christmas Eve, and earlier in the, the week we've read about Jesus being born, so you should have already read that. Okay, I know it's not for another few weeks, but he's already been born uh, in our readings. And here we get to the first instance of baptism mentioned here in Luke's gospel. And it's interesting, the first thing we see Jesus doing in adult life is baptism. The last thing he said to his disciples, and read the end of Matthew chapter 28, is go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And Baptism, in many ways, it's symbolic. It's a kind of physical, uh, symbolic act of a spiritual experience. It's physically demonstrating something which happens to us spiritually. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, Paul writes, this is, When we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with him, with Christ, by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead... By the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old has gone and the new has begun. And baptism is symbolic of that. Now, baptism itself does not bring the change of salvation. That happens when we come, we acknowledge Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and we ask him to come into our life, be uh, the one who forgives our sins, die for us, and accept him as Savior. And at that instance, they're born again. The Bible says we're called, we're born again. A new life begins. The old is gone, and the new has come. Baptism is symbolic of that event. It tells us of the old, when we're dead, we're buried with Christ, and baptism, we're raised in newness of life. And it has a challenge to it. And baptism is a challenge. If you read here, John is a kind of in-between guy. He's a kind of in-between what's happened in the Old Testament and Jesus coming in. The Bible says he's a forerunner. He's a preparer of the way for Jesus. He's introducing something fresh, something new is about to happen. Something is different. John's preparing the way between what happened in the Old Testament and the law and what God did with his people. And Jesus coming in and bringing in the grace and the truth that he is. He's been prophesied 700 years beforehand, but he's coming and joins in an in-between place and he's directing people to a new relationship of one who's coming after me. The one who's coming after me, who's greater than I, who's greater than me, the one who's the, who, the one who it's all about, the one who everything centers around, the one called Jesus, he's coming. He's the Messiah, he's the one who's coming. And John is basically preaching. He's living in a wilderness, he's preaching up a storm. If you read it, and some of his messages are woof. No one, that one. Okay. You think some of mine were hard? Wait till you hear, read some of what John says. It says, there's a guy, 
He lives wild, rough, can he? He lives more wild than Bear Grylls. This guy's got some lifestyle, John the Baptist. Anyway, he's doing it here, but he's preparing and he's pointing and looking ahead to Jesus. He's looking ahead and he's, he's preaching a baptism of repentance to, and forgiveness, but he's pointing ahead and everything he does to Jesus Christ. And the reality is it's not our works. We all messed up. The Bible says that you need to look, and he's saying you need to look forward in faith to Jesus. Don't look for yourself. Look to Jesus for salvation. You need to look outside yourself because the Bible says that all our, all our righteous acts are just like filthy rags. All our, fil our righteous deeds are what we try to do in God's eyes are just filthy rags. There's nothing we can do to earn the salvation or our righteousness. And he's preaching this message of repentance and receiving forgiveness. And he says in baptism, you come and you, a baptism of you repent of your sins and you get forgiveness from God. Because true repentance, and I want to tell you, it's still the truth today, that true repentance brings true forgiveness. I, I just want to say, it doesn't matter how bad you've been. I wasn't going to say this, but there's something here, there's something here, and you feel you can never be forgiven because of how bad and the stuff that you've done. I want to tell you, the grace of God is greater than any sin you've ever committed. And it doesn't matter how bad you think it is. I want to tell you, when you come repentant before God and say sorry and accept Jesus Christ, your slate is wiped clean and you receive genuine forgiveness and God wipes it away as if it had never been. This morning, you need to hear that today, that God's grace is greater than anything you've ever done. But John's preaching this message of repentance forgiveness. But listen, Jesus didn't need any repentance. Jesus is the only sinless man who's ever walked on planet Earth. He's the one to whom nothing could ever be accused of wrong. He was the perfect, righteous, holy son of God. He didn't need to be repentant, repenting. He didn't need to receive the forgiveness. He came in and he actually became sin for us. The Bible says God made him who knew sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. He was perfect in every way. He didn't need repentance. And if you look at uh, commentators, oh, why on earth was Jesus baptized here? And there's many things. And you need a whole Bible study. You need to go to the Bible school on a Monday night to get the real theology about that. He said they came to fulfill righteousness. And people have put different interpretations on what that meant and what Jesus done. Jesus, some say, came. He said to fulfill all righteousness. He came to identify. He came to identify some say, I just want to pick up on two things. People say he came to identify with sins of people and symbolic look ahead to what he was going to do later on. That he was going to die, but he was going to rise again. Somebody says he came, one commentator says he came to identify himself with sinful man, the same heart that would lead him to Calvary in the ultimate sacrifice. It was symbolizing his death and his resurrection. He came to show his submission to the will of God and the purpose of God. He came to say, God, I'm come to do your will. I'm coming to sit and do what you've asked me to do. I'm willing to just submit to you and what you've done and what you've asked me to do. You can see, if you read the Old Testament, when priests were ordained into their ministry about the age 30, the same age Jesus was about here, 
what happened was there was a ceremonial washing and then there was an anointing which then projected them into their priesthood ministry. At age 30, Jesus came and had a ceremonial washing of baptism. And then the Holy Spirit came upon him of a symbol of the anointing. And Jesus was then thrust forth into his ministry as a priest for all believers. Isn't that amazing? And also, he was identifying with us in our sinful nature. I know what happens when we get baptized. We identify with him and his sacrifice and his resurrection. So he came and identified with us as sinful men that needed our repentance and the forgiveness. And when we get baptized, we're saying, I'm nailing my cross to mass. I'm, I'm, I'm identifying with Christ. I'm following Jesus. I'm making a public show that Jesus in public came. We're coming in public and saying, Jesus, I'm identifying with you. You're mine. I'm yours. I'm following you. You're my savior. I'm committing afresh to you. I'm making a decision that I've decided to follow Jesus. And I'm making a public confession that I identify with Jesus Christ. He's the one who's my savior and Lord. That's what's happening today. But also, it needs a change. There's a challenge. Are you prepared to come and say, am I identifying with Jesus? That I need that repentance. I need that forgiveness. And I'm receiving Jesus. And I'm nailing my colors to the mast. And I'm on on him. And I'm making him first in my life. But when you do that, there's a change comes. There's a challenge, then there's a change. Paul says in Galatians, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. It's a, there's a change taking place in my life. I'm no longer whatever you used to be. Whatever you used to be, I am no longer. I am now whatever God is making me. We had two great contrasting stories today, don't we? Exciting contrasting story of one who grew up, knew about God from an early age, but still went his own way and needed to come and accept Jesus Christ as personal Savior. And then someone else who probably didn't and had a life of, well, there's some problems with the lifestyle that led to prison and different things. But the grace of God for Daniel is the same grace for Jamie. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter your story. It doesn't matter where you've been. But both of them have experienced a change in their life. It doesn't matter how good or how bad you are, there's a change that can take place in your life. And you're no longer. A change has to happen. Because these guys were coming to John. Okay, we've repented, but... Forgiveness, what needs to happen now? And it goes along with, well, if you've got two shirts, give one away to the poor. If you're a tax collector and you've been cheating, stop it. If you're a soldier and you're a, a rotter, get right. But the change needs to happen. And we've already heard this morning, a change needs to happen. And it's not doing stuff to get the salvation. We've already heard from Ephesians 2 that it's by grace that we're saved through faith. Not ourselves, the gift of God, so that we don't boast. But the Bible says that God's got good works for us then to do. 
The good works don't earn us our salvation. The good works flow from the salvation because something changes within us. God bless you. But the change within should lead to a change without. So often we try to change from the outside in, but you can't. And even in the Old Testament, they tried to fulfill all the laws of God and they couldn't. Because the change that nearly needs to take place is from the inside out. And this morning, maybe you think, oh, I'd love to be able to be like these guys or whatever, but I could never change. I want to tell you, the good news is that when you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's not you that has to do all the changing because God comes to live in us by His Spirit and He begins to change us from the inside out. And know many people who come to faith, it's others around about who see the bigger change than they do. Because as a change takes place, because you're not on your own having to change, you simply acknowledge, God, I need repentance, I need forgiveness, and I can't change. And God says, you're in a good place because Jesus died to take the punishment, accept Jesus, and I'll come in and I'll begin to change you from the outside out. Inside out. I love 1 Corinthians 6, and it says, oh, you used to be all this, that, and the next thing. You used to be thieves, you used to be abusers, you used to be uh, sexually immoral, you used to be greedy, you used to be abusive, you used to be all these things. But then it goes on to say, and such were some of you. But you're changed, you're washed, you're clean, you're made holy, you're made right because of Jesus Christ. Listen, and here, listen, as Daniel said, we're a bunch of broken people, but we've met Jesus Christ, and he's fixing us up day by day, and we used to be this, that, and the next thing, but we're now, we're children of a loving God, we're cleansed, we're saved, we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and it's not because of anything we have done, it's simply because we accepted Jesus Christ, and he began, come in, and he changed us from the inside out. He changes us now. It also changes us for eternity as well. Daniel's already preached half my message here. Okay. Next time, I want to see people's notes before they share their testimony <laughs> at baptism. They're talking around that. Uh, and say, John, you're some guy here. John the Baptist, you're an awesome guy. You're incredible. Are you the guy? Are you the man? Are you the, are you the one? Are you the? And he says, no, 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 no. There's one greater. Listen. Whenever Tums tells you, you, you're the man or you're the woman, just keep pointing them, there's one greater. There's one greater than us all. Uh, basically, in John the Baptist, Jesus is the greatest guy that ever lived on planet Earth. Jesus said of John the Baptist, but Jesus said, but hey, I'm nothing. I couldn't even, I couldn't even, I couldn't lace his boots. I couldn't, I couldn't tie, I'm not worthy to come in and hear him. There's one, he's the guy, he's the guy. He's the one I'm pointing to. He's the man. He must increase and I must decrease. He's the one. Point people to Jesus because Jesus is the one. And he said, but not only change you here. He says, for eternity as well. It changes your eternal destination as well. It changes not just here, but for eternity as well. He's the guy who's going to come and separate the wheat from the chaff. <laughs> and then he talks about, hey, we've heard about hell. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And he's the one who changes your destination from being bound for hell to be bound for heaven. And he talks about eternal fire. If you read this message, it's heavy stuff John's preaching. I love this. He talks about this. Uh, he'll separate the chief from the, uh, the wheat from the chaff, and then he'll, he'll send them all into the burning fire for eternity. And then the Bible says this, 
And John continued such warnings as he pronounced the good news. <laughs> the good news, the kingdom. This is the good news. Oh, there's a fire. There's eternal fire and damnation. See, this is the good news I'm preaching. I thought, John, that's not very good. Okay, but you know the good news? You can change direction. And Jesus come to give you a life of joy, hope, peace, love, forgiveness, salvation, restoration. And that's only in this life. But there's an eternity in heaven with him forever and ever. That's the good news. The good news is that even the bad news, the bad way you're going and the bad destination you're going to end up in, that can change today, right now. The good news is it's not the end. There's a Jesus who can come and change you in this life and change you in eternity as well. That's the good news. There's a change that comes in. And finally, there's also a celebration as well. One day, John's just going about his own stuff. Another day at the office, and Jesus appears and gets baptized. And without all the theology of that, because time is gone, isn't it wonderful that when Jesus comes and God just comes down, and as he's praying, God just steps in. Heaven's open. And the father says, you're my much-loved son. And I'm well-placed. I'm well-chuffed for you, son. That's what Father God is saying. And that was his whole life up to that point. But there's always something significant in Jesus that day is beginning to fulfill at the start of his journey into priesthood and fulfilling the call of heaven to redeem mankind. And identifying God, Father, I'm submitting to your will, I'm submitting to your purpose, and I'm submitting myself to what needs to be required of me so that I can go on and fulfill my, my purpose and my destiny. Father God, you cements and says, Son, I'm well pleased with you. I believe today, Daniel, Jamie, Father God is looking down on you, and he says, I'm well pleased with you. I'm chuffed for you. Because the Bible says in Samuel, as you honor God, he honors you. And I'm praying this. Father God sees that you're making a decision to make a public commitment and confession that you're identifying with Christ. Father God's smiling on you. He's smiling on you this morning and said, come on, let's move on together. Because I've got a purpose. And just as Jesus was entering a, a public ministry today, I believe God's got a hand on both of you. And it's the start of ministries. Didn't you love Jamie's heart? All the places where he's destroyed he wants to get back and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. What's he going to share? What a heart that is. Daniel and all the other people that are going around the wrong paths, I believe God's got hands on you, hands on you for you to direct them in the right path. The roads that they used to be walking on, I believe God's going to use you to reach people who are going down wrong paths, but you're going to set them in the right path towards Jesus. But I believe God's hands on the two of you, and God's going to use the two of you, and God's smiling on you right now and say, come on, let's go on together and go on to the fuller purpose of God. Come on. Amen. Okay. Let's all stand together, shall we? Cut it there. This is a, there's a challenge you respond to Jesus as a change and as a celebration. You know, the Bible says that heaven rejoices when one person returns and accepts Jesus and repents. Every head bow, every eye close. Maybe today you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you understand you've messed up, you've sinned, you've 
whatever it is you've done wrong, you've sinned before God, you need to repent. But repentance is just a prayer that says, God, I acknowledge that I've done wrong, that I've sinned before you, that I've messed up. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you that repentance can bring forgiveness. I thank you that there's a Jesus who came into the world not to be born as a baby, but to die on a cross for my sins, to cleanse me and forgive me and make me right before God. And today I'm acknowledging that I need that repentance, I need that forgiveness, and I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. You don't need to know all the answers, you just need to know that you've done wrong and you need his forgiveness in your life. If that's you today, we want you just to slip up your hand, could you? We want to pray with you and help you. Just to start on in that road of following Jesus. That's you. Just going to count down from three and then just put your hand where you are. Three, two, one. Come on, just put your hand up right now. You just want to accept you. God bless you. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your salvation. Father, we thank you for two men today who are making a public stand and a public demonstration that they identify that we are Christ followers, that we acknowledge you. Thank you for salvation visiting the house today. We just thank you, Lord, that you're still in the life-changing business. Father, I pray that we will respond to the challenge to acknowledge you as Lord of our life to accept your forgiveness, Father, to start walking for you. Father, thank you for the changes that are taking place in lives. Father, we pray, Lord, that this is a significant day for Daniel and for Jamie, Father God, that you'll do something, you'll cement something in their hearts and minds today. Lord, you'll do something within them, Lord, and you'll propel them into a future, Lord, where you'll use them to reach others for you. Thank you for your hand on them. Let them know that they know that they know right within the depths, Lord, that you're with them and you're for them and your power is going to come over them in a fresh and a new way. Lord, I thank you for the celebration. Thank you, Lord, it's a serious thing we do, but it's also a joyous celebration. We thank you for resurrection in your life. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we celebrate your still changing lives, that we're still running out of graves, Father God, that we're still being made alive and well and right before you. And Lord, we celebrate today in this house, Lord, the joy of salvation and people who declare that Jesus Christ is the King of kings, Lord and lords, and my Savior. And today, as a group of people and as a church, Father God, we get around Daniel and Jamie and we joy with them, we rejoice with them, we celebrate with them, we thank you for them and we just pray you'll bless us as we come to this baptismal part in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who's the greatest, the one to whom he's greater than all, the one who's king, the one who's Lord, the one who to whom no one can even match, he is the one we want to point to for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We're going to get changed. Scott and the team are going to sing something appropriate. Don't know if you know that one. Okay. <laughs>